You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. Well, welcome back to the Next Trek Podcast. Every week, we're going to break down the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery and give our thoughts on the final frontier. My name is Chris. And I'm Tyler. And I'm Kate. And we are back with the second episode of season two, directed by Jonathan Frakes, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it He's is. back. I have a lot to say about Frakes uh, directing. I think it is absolutely fantastic. This episode has a cinematic feel that is really quite incredible. So oh. um, we are going to go ahead and give, I think right at the top of the show, give our overall thoughts on this episode. And then after we do that for the three of us, We'll dive straight into a kind of point-by-point plot analysis of New Eden. So here is the plot overview description. A new signal brings the discovery to a distant planet, Terralysium, that is inhabited by the descendants of human survivors of World War III, which was fought on Earth 200 years earlier. All right, Kate, what did you think of New Eden? So New Eden was a more thoughtful trek, um, certainly more along the traditional lines that we're used to, where we have an away mission to a planet where things happen. We have a quandary. We have faith versus science, lots of very familiar elements, and we're getting discoveries dig into uh, these very familiar experiences and its own take on, on how to interpret these things. Yes, 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 absolutely. Some very strong themes coming across, um, kind of very apparent and in your face, it felt like, right? I mean, I don't think that they said the word faith or relic or religion or science more than at least once a scene, if not a dozen times. Yeah. So yeah, we got yes. it. <laughs> yes, yes, it was, it was, it was readily uh, on the screen. You understood exactly what they were saying. Okay, Tyler. How about you? You're in your disco shirt this evening, um, oh, yeah. so you're ready for, for some disco. So what what did you think of uh, episode two? Honestly, a lot of the same stuff. That it, this this feels like Trek, uh, finally. This feels mm-hmm. like Star Trek. We, you know, with this feels like Star Trek as it should be. We've got a, a season-long arc that has been set up. We have a place that we're going, something we are investigating, and yet we also still have an episodic feel. You know, this is our week's away mission, and I love that. Um, and especially in contrast to the last away with, away mission we went on, which was now I'm uh, I'm forgetting the title of the episode, but it was it was the the one where Saru horse kicks somebody, and oh. there's the blue lights in it. I'm forgetting what it's called right now. Um, and and that was I was so excited for that episode because I thought oh great finally we get an away mission we get uh, you know first contact all this other stuff and it ended up being just a really rough episode easily the weakest of last season and this this time it all came together um, we we um, we get more interaction with with Joanna Owashukin, um who we've only seen off you know at the at the front consoles before we get Frakes directing come on. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then again, like you guys have mentioned, these just fantastic themes that Star Trek does so well, faith versus science, which I'm really, it seems as though they are setting up as, as one of the major themes of the season. So I, I thought it was a great episode. What about you, Chris? Yeah. And you said faith versus science. We knew that was kind of going to be right. the, the main idea or thrust of the season. And I think when you, 
you know, throw a religious icon like an angel at the center of the mystery, right. that's going to happen, right? right. And so mm-hmm. um, this is uh, in a church another, in this episode, let alone, you know. Yeah, and I mean all kinds of religious iconography. Yeah. Look, you know, it's hard for me to describe what Star Trek is other than I know it when I see it, and this felt like oh. Star Trek. This episode um, felt like a group of explorers being um, being brave and boldly going where no one had gone before and doing something unique and interesting and asking important questions that has impact on us, the viewing audience. And for me, that is what I've been looking for. I think before we even started this particular podcast, when Tyler and I were discussing what we wanted Discovery to yeah. be, that was it for me. Exactly. And this episode made that happen. Look, it's th- this episode, I think, is so competently made. Jonathan Frakes knows how to direct. Um, he it, it looks so cinematic. Uh, the 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 places he decides to show us and uh, the way he tells the story it was wonderful uh, and I'm hoping that you know I think Kate you brought up last uh, last episode that you weren't sure where we were going to be going for the rest of the season mm-hmm. and now I think it's kind of clear it's wherever this red angel tells Discovery to go this mm-hmm. red angel is obviously leading the discovery to new and interesting places where they're needed to save someone, right? There are somebody And last week. We got the gal who was, um, who wasn't here. So she's not a regular, it looks like, but we'll see. She wasn't shown this week. It wouldn't surprise me if next week she doesn't show up. I know they just kind of, you know, who knows, but yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, we haven't seen any more, uh, preview material for with her or anything so I'm not sure she'll ever be back we, maybe we'll see um, but yeah it seems like this angel is leading the discovery crew to places where they can make a difference mm-hmm. and save lives um, and that's an interesting story to tell uh, they don't know why we don't know why but here we go that's what I think season two is going to be we're just going to be hopping around the universe helping people so and that's uh, like you said Star Trek at its best there's a question that needs answering you yeah. know and let's investigate. It's I. It's right. so good. All right, so let's dive into our kind of plot by plot um, overview summary of this episode. So it, it opens up with Michael Burnham and Captain Pike um, in the ready room, looking over a log that Spock made. We don't know if it's been year, uh, years before, or months before, or days before. Who knows? But um, he's basically. Uh, talking about the reasons why he needed to leave the Enterprise and probably would never be back. So it's probably, you know, somewhat soon. But the stuff on the little iPad that he has could be pretty old. He's got, like, um, an image of all of the seven bursts, right? Right, um, and it seems like he's been having those. They're coming from dreams or nightmares, and he's been right. having them for a while is what it seems like. Correct, correct. And um, so it's obvious that before the seven bursts showed up, Spock knew about them somehow. Um, yeah. And he's being led by this, this maybe the angel or some other higher power or an alien or something. Right. Um, and um, so Burnham desperately wants to go talk to Spock and she wants to know where he is. And Captain Pike sits her down and says, hey, listen, um, Spock has committed himself uh, to a health facility because he's been having mental issues and problems. 
Um, and, and specifically um, does not want his family to know about it, which is why Pike hasn't revealed it up until this point. Correct. Yes. Right. Um, so uh, then they kind of have a heart to heart and Pike basically says, hey, is there anything that you want to you want to tell me? Uh, you anything know, I should feel know. free. Anything I should know, which is kind of an interesting. I don't know. I, I, it made me wonder if he it wasn't as pointed as I think we're making it. But like it, it did make it make uh, he, was, he was pretty clear. Like if hey, if there's anything you ever want to tell me, I'm here. Yeah. I want to listen. I'm again, kind of even a reiteration of I'm not Lorca. Right. Um, that's exactly what I was going to say is it was a very anti-Lorca moment. Uh, there and were even, several of those throughout this episode, but that was, we're still making that point. Yeah. And, and he, we he's see interested the re- in the mental, he's interested in the mental health of his crew. Yeah. And Lorca mm-hmm. was not worried about that at all. Yeah. Lorca's no, like, have a no. fortune cookie. No, you know, buzz off. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. So she, she decides to just say, thanks for saving me rather than telling him about the red angel, which right. she obviously is deeply troubled and concerned over. Um, so before we move on to the bridge, is there anything else you guys want to say about this particular scene? I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but um, anything that's jumped out at you guys uh, in this scene? Just pretty straightforward and true captaining happening. Um, right. It's it's right. A, it's a family, not just, um, but also workplace, not just um, convenient ponds. <laughs> yeah. Right. And the so, only thing I'd really notice is that he had redone the ready room. So we've had enough mm-hmm. time where he's redone the ready room. They're sitting. They're not. He's not lording over her. So yeah. Well, but this is not the the um, the uh, his office. This is the ready room, right? This is a different room. Isn't that the same thing? I thought he had redone it. I don't know. I, this looked like the same sp- spot, but maybe not. I have to go back and look yeah, at it. I, I think those are two separate places. The captain had an office and then the ready room, which is, you know, two separate sides of the bridge, I guess Lorca, like Lorca did have his little menagerie. I, hey, maybe it's that room. Maybe he he got the skeletons and the guns out of there and made it, made it a whole different office. Who knows? That's possible. Okay, so then they get called to the bridge because another um, burst or event uh, is is happening. Um, and um, so they look up, find out where it is, and unfortunately it's 150 miles away at maximum warp, and it's in the beta quadrant. Uh, it's Sorry? 150 years away. Oh, what did I say? Miles. miles. <laughs> 150 miles. 150 miles. It's like five seconds away, It's super away, simple. <laughs> it's like really easy. 150 years away. That makes a huge difference. Yeah. Um, and it's, so it's in the beta quadrant. It's double the length of the way that uh, that Voyager was, if I'm remembering right. So. Double the length, really? I think they were 75 years, if I remember right. But I could be wrong. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so they start um, talking about how perhaps they might be able to get there. And then um, they come to the conclusion very quickly, which is interesting to me. Like, it's kind of hand-wavy, like... Hey, Starfleet said we can't do use um, the spore drive anymore, but <laughs> Pike basically says, "Hey, I'm sure they'll be cool with it because we're we got to do this mission, right? We got fine. This is a thing." What did you guys think of that? It, it, was that a little too like glib? Just, yeah, yeah, I found it way like okay. Why even say it? Why, why even like bring that up? Just, you should they should have just used it and yeah. not. Well, I don't know. I honestly think it was to get to the line that Pike has, that if you're telling me that this ship can skip across the galaxy on a highway made of mushrooms, I kind of have to go on faith. Uh, be bold, be brave, be courageous, black alert. Like, I, I I, was like, yeah, it's fine. He gets to say that. He could still say that without them explaining why they can't use it. And then say, <laughs> it feels to me like, because later in the episode two, um, 
they keep talking about the importance of rules yeah. and then the importance of understanding you you at some point you also need to understand when you can break those rules for the greater good well but that pike is, that, is the only one that can break those especially the prime directive is the one they're talking about later pike is the only one who can make the decision to do that I will say, though, that it, that's kind of indicative of multiple things that happened in this episode, where things that should have been tension-building moments, they didn't let the need to build tension get in the way of keeping the pace or the humor going. Mm. And yeah. so like, I felt like some of that tension was sacrificed in a couple of places, which it was still a really fun episode. But I'm curious, you know, is, is that just directorial choice, you know, storytelling choice? Will that be how the season goes, where we're not worried about that kind of tension-building and our focus is elsewhere? I'm... It was something that kind of underlined for me of the choices that they were making with tension. I didn't feel a lot of really worry or tension. It was just more of a fun episode. Yeah. Yeah, totally. All right. So they decide, yeah, sure, let's go ahead and do it. So Tilly preps Stemets uh, really quickly. And this is another issue I kind of had was that like Stemets is it seemed to be fairly fragile from last season um nearly dead and then they're just like okay cool yeah no let's just do that again um it well, shouldn't be a problem he's really worried about seeing colber um mm. the last yeah, but they time don't he, know that though they don't he, know that he though. said that uh, i mean i'm saying from his perspective this is why he's so worried about it um is right. like hey, last time i was there i saw colber i saw my dead partner you know who who right. talked to me who talked me through this I'm going to see him again. And we don't know this time if he saw him again. Right. Yeah. And, and that's why he's troubled. I yeah. agree with you. That. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he doesn't want to go back in there and see his, you know, uh, he doesn't want to see Culber, you know what I mean? Yeah. In that way. Right. Uh, that totally makes sense. But why is the rest of the crew okay with using Stamets? Like, isn't, wasn't he in like, like physical and mental distress? I think it's because they were doing – because didn't they have to do like 250 jumps or something like that? It was so many of them. It wasn't just doing right. one. I, I Maybe I'm wrong. But, yeah, I think that's how I read no. it. It was, it was too much the last time. This is just one jump. Okay, so it's okay to do it again? I, it just it felt to me like last time they were like, he probably should never do that again. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's okay. possible. Because I, 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 I thought that they – it was more of a rule that they were breaking rather than – it's harming him. Like if they do it so many more times, then okay, that's, then we get up another yeah. problem. But yeah, that's, that's how I read it. So, so then they jump and Stemets gets out of the chamber. Um, and he doesn't want to talk. It really made me wonder what he saw Colbert. there, or maybe he's mad that he didn't see Colbert, you know, maybe that's he what actually, I assumed, that he yeah. didn't see him and he wanted to. Yeah. 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 I like that. I like that. Obviously he is annoyed and did not, he didn't want to do it. Right. It's more than obvious, he didn't want to do that. Later in the episode, though, anyway, it, it his character really confused me, and I don't know if he's doing a weird like time shift deal or what's happening with him. But later in the episode, he's without any explanation, he's fine. We'll get to there in just a second. We can talk about it. But anyway. yeah, I don't I don't recall that. But yeah, we'll get there. He jumps on the bridge real quick, and he's like, "Yeah, no, I'm ready to rock and roll. Oh. Let's do this." You're right. He like he's even like heard. It's almost like he heard their conversation and then just jumps on the bridge. You're right. I forgot about that. Yeah, and then he's fine jumping back into the thing. I it, it really does not. Or he's just it, trying to be fine. You know, maybe he's just oh no no I'm fine. It's fine. 
you know, and just he's showing. That I he thought is. that that might be what he's showing. To, like Tilly is the only one he's telling, right. "Hey, I'm having issues right now." And what we saw of him on the bridge, I think, is the face he's giving everyone else. Because I think if Pike Agreed. knew how much trouble he was having, he would not have so easily said, "You know, jump in and let's do this." There would have been all right. the concern that everyone had for Tilly being okay and talking. I think they would be doing that to Stamets if he wasn't Agreed. hiding so much of what he's going through. Agreed. So they jump. They are now 150 years, not miles, away in the Beta Quadrant uh, after just this. Just 150 feet away. Just 150 feet. It's, it's 150 inches. It is. It's like nothing. No. Anyway, so they come to the source of this distress call. There is no red signal. There is Once no. Once again. All, yeah. All they see now or here is a uh, like a distress call that's been on a loop for over 200 years, yep. which they very quickly do the math and realizes before all warp drive was even uh, around. So and, and during World War Three in particular, during the 1990s, I think. Right, but they scan the planet and they realize there are humans yep. down there. Mm-hmm. So we have humans on this planet, 150 years at maximum warp away in the Beta Quadrant with a church and they have no idea how in the world these people and and no electricity there. of any kind so these are the basically you know uh yeah, yeah they're, they're luddites who which we by the way which we find out joanna uh is from a luddite community a, a non-technology using community nice just right. quick instant characterization for her i, I like that yeah yeah it was a really cool characterization but then nothing came of Agreed. it we didn't actually use it and that Agreed. kind of got to me yeah, she she should have taken point even a little bit, you know, in, yes. in speaking to them. She actually should have been the the religious one instead of Pike, mm-hmm. um, which we'll talk right. about. They sh- they sh- they should have done that, but let, 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 we'll yeah. get there here Jumping in ahead. just a second. But this felt like a very traditional Star Trek cold right? open, right? Yes. Because mystery. How did this happen? Earth like w- what's going on? Yeah, and then cut to credits right, right? Mm-hmm. i mean a wonderful wonderful way to open up uh, an episode of star trek right uh, it's great all right before moving on anything else you guys want to mention there or should we move on they they plan to go to the surface but other than that no that's yeah. that's it i just want to make a brief comment about the red light not being there once they got there you could have that science nerd moment of like a star can explode but it won't we can't actually see it from our universe for a really long time afterwards oh so i didn't think a about time that. factor that's or cool. is it once they're there because the red angel can be everywhere at once then it goes away because they went where they're supposed to go so there's like a science explanation and a mystical explanation Ooh, possible oh I, I love it science and faith oh great all right so burnham recounts uh that the humans uh would have had to or would have arrived around world war three and we find out there's eleven thousand people they're pre-warp like we already said and so they determined that because of that the prime directive or what they call general order one now nerds um why do we not call this the prime directive as you put your "Ah, ah," nerds (laughs) why uh well, uh, well, you see, Chris. Prime directive? <clears throat> we see, Chris, because uh, one is prime, and so uh, they just say it's General Order Number One. But why do they say General Order One? I think and not they the prime don't. They go back and forth though. Episode in this they... season. They no, never they, say I prime s- directive. Right, that's the later. That's the later I down swear the road. Where they call it prime directive in this episode. All right. Well. We don't know, so we're going to move on because that topic is a non-starter, but I'm 99.9% sure that they don't. I just didn't know if there was a timeline moment in Federation history when they change it from 
did they call it General Order One in the original Star Trek series? And then I they, think just, they call so it they Prime Directive that... there. Oh, I it, thought it was a... Next Generation or movie thing, but I'm not sure. Either Next way. Generation, they definitely call it Prime Directive. Yeah. But anyway, okay, so that, it, that is going to be in play here. So even though they're humans, mm-hmm. even though it's mysterious, we're still going to pretend like they are their own civilization and we're going to allow them to evolve on their own and the prime directive definitely applies Mm -hmm. so um they decide that they're going to go ahead and uh go down to the planet uh any other thoughts on that particular scene sequence um it was fun getting a hamlet quote because wow does this series love hamlet so freaking much i always love that yeah there's so many callbacks to to all kind of literature it's just right. it is just what they love to do it's like how can we horn shoe or shoehorn shoe horn horn shoe um literature in at this and this one all right let's this do it looks, here like we get many shakespeare quotes throughout but it's like hamlet especially and i think they've had just some writers in the show who are big hamlet fits because i think hamlet yep. gets like picked more than any other shakespeare but then we do get sure. an asimov quote and a reinterpretation of that quote that seems to be suggestive uh one of a couple different points in this episode of how we should look at the red quote-unquote angel because later on we have burnham you know querying the the use of the word angel and and what's problematic about that and so it seems to be dropping the suggestion of hey guys this really could just be you know an advanced uh, intelligence alien species that we don't know anything about yet who has the appearance of something divine uh because we just don't know don't they Was it was it in my head or was it? Um, don't they actually quote um, Clark's third law as well? Yes. The, the, yes. Um, any any technology sufficiently advanced would be indistinguishable from magic. Yeah. Um, yep. Which is basically that's again our science versus faith question here. You know, is is the angel just this super technologically advanced thing well, that we don't know? But so but they change. They changed that quote for their own devices. We'll get there. I right. had a little bit of a problem with that because it felt a little like. This quote's cool, but it would be even cooler if it said this. And they're like, well, right. let's just have the captain change it. All right. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. let's we'll get there in just a second. All right. Okay. So then we hard cut to a very odd moment. Um, Instant Tilly is in the shuttle bay, and she's got this very massive, massive, and by massive I mean full of mass, very <laughs> heavy, very massive um, rock that they found last week that has these interesting properties. And she decides that she needs a fragment of it to study. So she goes in with a little laser drill and um, with like a little gravity thing attached to it, which is kind of cool. So one falls away and like destroys her little tray. And then the other one she is able to capture and she looks at it. And then it literally, I don't know if it's kinetic energy or what it is that has built up, but she's then slung all the way across the shuttle bay and gets knocked out. What did you guys think of this? Was this this was this was an odd moment, right? But I mean, I guess you know it it, it leads into what's going to happen next. But um, from I didn't a, quite understand it from a hard sci-fi point of view. I really like. I do wish that maybe they explained it slightly more. But I liked the the whole you know mass issue and the fact that she had to ha- keep it contained. She had to be super precise about it. Yeah. Um, and then also what we're getting. And, and again, this comes up later, that, that Saru and she have some really good mentoring moments in this. This is showing Tilly is, Tilly is still inexperienced. Mm-hmm. Um, she's brilliant. We know that. We've known that for a while. We love Tilly. Um, but she's not, she's not up on all the procedures she needs to be up on because she's doing that on her own when she shouldn't be. She's not taking the proper uh, precautions. So I, I liked it from that angle as well, more of a characterization mm-hmm. angle than even the sci-fi angle. 
What about you, Kate? Yeah, it sets up multiple things that happen throughout the episode. So in many ways, it's a setup scene, and you also get you know Tilly comedy in there because you know Tilly being Tilly talking to the computer. And Tilly being and sick is all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a weird scene, but it it sets up multiple things throughout the episode, so I can see why it's there. Totally. Okay, so then we well, get. So what, what was your what was your problem with it, Chris? Uh, just the, her being slung across the the shuttle bay didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It just felt a little odd that um, that just randomly occurred. It, I figured it, that was another sense. sixth sense moment that we have coming. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It, it, it just need to be an accident of any kind. But I didn't I didn't understand like anyway. It's fine. I, it's okay. It just, I sort of took it just as there was a there was a um, there was a problem with the gravity whatever that was called the gravity generator. Um, yeah. And it just like I, I didn't see it as anything you know crazy divine or anything like that. It was just there was a there was an error and it shot her across the room. I guess my point narratively is is that um, oh okay You're going is, is that what I'm saying is is that her falling down a staircase yeah. would have given the same exact result as sure. this. All right, gotcha. I didn't I didn't understand this this the 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 substance or the necessity of it being that rock and right. you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it, anyway, it doesn't matter that all I'm just saying is, is that just felt a little like, why are we doing it this way? But it's fine. Sure. All right. So then we cut to our away team an away team guys. Yes. We have an away team down In on the surface and everything. I know. Oh, it's, it's very, very cool. Um, so they walk into the church that they detect the signal is coming from and they see there are texts there that have been kind of cobbled together from multitude of different uh, earth religious texts. Like clearly um, this is the church from the end of lost, right? Oh gosh. <laughs> like clearly this is stop. No, 100% Tyler, what it is. Tyler, this is stop. where the lost people Tyler. all went. Oh god. It's heaven. Stop. <laughs> Please stop. No, no. <laughs> So this is so the Burnham... anti Roddenberry religious oh. moment because Roddenberry had a thing about like not yeah, reflecting yeah. Earth's religions oh. but like other religions and so we have Earth's religions combined here. So yes, Earth, Earth religions combined in, in very interesting and odd ways. Um, and uh, also we've got uh, Pike who apparently isn't a big reader. He prefers the pictures. Uh, <laughs> and he, Why are we in the Bible? Let's look at the windows. Yeah, I know, right? Look, so he decides, to, he's like, hey, listen, stained glass windows, that's how people learned uh, back in the olden days. Um, what so if, What they, if Pike can't read? That's actually ooh. what this is. Yeah, well, let's go up and can't. There's a book by that <laughs> name, true. so. True. Oh my gosh. Okay, all right, guys. Um <laughs> So they realize that one of the stained glass windows has the depiction of a red angel, um, which, you know, Burnham immediately recognizes the rest of them. I don't know that they see a huge, you know, problem with that, but I know Burnham's like, Oh goodness, there's a red angel here. Um, And um, so at that point, a villager from the, uh, the village walks in and says, why aren't you guys out in the fields? And uh, they say, oh, we're, we're from the north. And so then they take them out to meet the rest of the village. What did you guys think of this church scene? I was laughing Anything? over the word from the north. It's like that old chestnut. <laughs> they used it in Stargate, too, where it's the whole, how do we explain to the locals where we're from? Well, we're from the north, you know. We're from, we're from the north. Lots Wherever of have a north. We're from the wall. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I... Yeah. You, uh, never mind. That's, that's a tangent. Never mind. So, okay. So when they come out of here, this becomes an expedition, uh, expedition, 
exposition dump. Yes. Um, the um, it's like a prayer of the village elder, basically welcoming them from the north and playing praying a blessing over them, and then they explain how the church, from their religious view, got there, right? By telling mm-hmm. like this, uh, I don't know, very interesting way. So yeah. While I liked it, in yes. in that okay, I really I liked it and I really didn't like it. Um, I like okay. it. I like it f- for what it does for us because it's an interesting story. I don't like how it was executed. I guess is what I'm what I'm going to get at here. Like, right. um, because it is an interesting story, and and you know they had to make sense of what happened to them, and they had to sort of cobble that together. But they're like you, the moment you go down down this road, just a, a minute. Uh, why why are they just sitting there and repeating? their origin story for people who they assume there's only 11,000 people on the planet. It's not like anybody on the planet has not heard this before. Like the planet. It's not like these are people from another religion. We've got to indoctrinate them. Like it's, it's well, as though it's they were they off-worlders. Ask. They literally ask. They literally ask. Yeah. They're like, I, we don't know this because Burnham, doesn't she say something along the lines of That's like, right. I guess she... um, what if my religion was science? Oh yeah. How do you Burnham, Man, Burnham is the straight man in all of this. It, like every this yeah. this she is the fuddy duddy in in just like all of this uh, this this uh, episode. It is like she is diametrically opposed, and I get it. She's the Vulcan essentially, you know, in in all of this. But it's like, I, I guess why why couldn't Burnham understand? I guess the whole prime directive of it all, and like why are you fighting them on their religion when you just you're trying to information gather? Why are you fighting them? So I, that, I felt like that was very clunky. She's supposed to be the Vulcan, I guess, of it all, and she's supposed to be the logical one. But I, I did not, I did not like, or and I didn't really get why she was fighting them on it so much. But hmm. when she's supposed to be blending in, her point is we're blending in. Yeah. So. Yeah, this is where it would have been great to have our other crew member who kind of has disappeared into the scenery at this point um, be the one interacting. But then I guess we wouldn't have had this info dump to explain everything that was going on. I do want to make the point. You're saying that there's, you know, 11,000 people on this planet. Well, we know this because we scanned it from space. But if you have no technology, you probably don't know that there aren't people in other continents or whatever in the world. So Right. Right. Just well, I mean, them. I mean, of of the humans, there are there's right. only these these few settlements, and it's it's weird that they wouldn't know it. Like they should have. That's the question they should have asked. Yeah. Well, we all they all got there. It's like it's like I don't know. It's, it's just. But they don't really that. necessarily know exactly where they are. But not to argue exactly. that too far. And, and it's, it's generations too. I mean, yeah. you know, think about it. I mean, th- that it's been a long enough time where you wouldn't. You wouldn't remember. Yeah. Um, you you had would have no idea. You just trust your village elder. Right. Um, the all mother, you know I mean? as they were calling her. The, the all yeah. mother. Yes. 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 Which I was having so a very that... fun moment with her when I watched that scene because I had I'm watching Orphan Black for the first time right now, and that actress uh-huh. plays the mother of one of the the sisters in there. That's and so I went from I watching her. that to this, and I'm like, well, this is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah no I I I had forgotten that too. I yeah. Um, so the thing that we learn in this this scene that I think is the most important is yeah. that the church was transported with the people, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So they didn't build it and create it. They it's yeah, like it a Noah's them. Ark. Because I was, yes. I, I actually, <laughs> I actually was not sure about that. Uh, 
because at, at first, because I was like, why are there all these tools that they had to build stuff? It's because there was a basement to that church that they that they had. There's like there's like a box with screwdrivers and stuff or screws and things in it. It's yeah. I, yep. I didn't connect that at first. And then they also let loose that there is a helmet camera from a soldier uh, that is also in the basement someplace that may have the uh, actual moments of. The, yeah, he was recording when it. Uh, right, uh, when and the batteries run down on it, so they can't look at it anymore. Yeah, right. It's broken or not, not available to see. So, okay, so um, we then move away from our away team on the surface of the planet back to Instant Tilly, who wakes up. Uh, in sick bay, um, and I believe does this just real quick. This narrative um, yeah. says that Saru comes right in, but doesn't she meet her new friend I before think so. this? Yes, I think she does. She does. Yes, because she has that entire. I wish Burnham was here. Burnham's not having the conversation and then with the, her the girl comes friend, in. who then sort of sidles out and disappears when Saru shows up. Uh, just well, I guess I'll ask this too when we get in, but like. Come on, nobody called that. Like, I she was one hundred percent fake the whole time. Anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, and, I just and wrote we, Tilly sees dead people. Like, I wrote six well, things down think, that stretch. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you know. So what was it? Last season, um, fairly early on, I believe, um, Tilly got a mycelium kind of thing on her. Shut up! I can't believe I didn't make that connection. That's this fantastic. Is, this is oh. that. I, that's what I think, anyway. As soon as I saw her, they and obviously on that she so never, yeah, she never interacts with anybody else, obviously. Right. Um, and but I'm fairly certain because we said that they said the writer said that was going to be a big deal yes. in season two, um, and so I, I don't know. I don't know what this means for her character, but obviously, yes, she, she sees dead people, but very similar. So does Stamets mm-hmm. see dead people, right? So. And we get, well, anyway, later on, we talk about that, you know, eternal life does exist. But um, anyway, so um, she wakes up. Saru, after this little first interaction with her and this new friend of hers, we don't know the name yet. um, She steps aside and Saru walks in and talks about how easily she could have been killed. And uh, Tilly explains um, that she really thought that she was going to be helping people. Um, but silly, t- t- Saru, basically silly. I combine those oh, two. Which, by the way, is a thing now. Silly is, uh, sorry, it's Stilly and it's Stamets and Tilly. Stilly. I don't, whatever. I'm just okay, saying, that's weird. It's, it's that's Star a Trek. thing? Of course, it's, it's a thing. I'm sorry. Welcome and I, I mean, internet. I don't agree with it, but it is what it is. Sure. This is a very, very wonderful star trek family moment we were so talking about good. family moments before when saru explains to tilly how important self-care is yeah. um and that she is important mm-hmm. that's so good it's yeah such a wonderful moment like this it's was a, a great saru being an a-plus mm-hmm. captain you know he was yeah. like totally a picard level taking yeah. care of yeah. your crew kind of of captain in that moment and i loved that saru isn't just backseat xo now that pike's on the scene he's still acting like the captain material that he is. Absolutely. Um, I will also note that we met Dr. Pollard finally. Um, We actually saw her in the last one and I wondered if it was, if it was her, but we actually meet the, the chief medical officer, Dr. Pollard in this one. So, um, and she, I think she's just being snarky at the, in this time about like Tilly being Mm. a bad patient or something like that. But yeah. 
No, she she basically just agrees with Saru that she made a bad choice. Yeah. That she almost died, I think. Uh, yes, you, almost dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, or something like that along yeah. those lines. Oh, and she's played, right. we should say, by Raven Dauda. We've never, never, never seen her before. Cool. Awesome. Rock on. All right, so Saru is then called to the bridge, um, and there seems to be some sort of a distortion, guys. And what? we learn, yeah, believe it or not. In Star Trek? There's, they there's something distortions. There, there's a weird thing happening, and all of these radioactive rocks are being drawn towards uh, the surface of this new planet. And uh, there's going to be, what do they call it? A Nuclear ex- winter. Uh, planet extinction no. level event. Yeah. Yeah. Planet extinction level event. Uh, so there's a ticking clock now, ladies 64 and gentlemen. 64 minutes and in Canada. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, yep. yep. Just really, just because we're we're talking about the planet now, Terralisium. Did we did we put together yes. what that name is? You know, heaven. It's uh, like heaven on heaven earth on is basically earth, yeah. what it means. Yeah, which I, I thought mm-hmm. is is interesting, and so that goes with the new Eden concept that we have here. So interesting. Anyway, at this moment when they realize that the rocks are being um, are going to destroy the planet, Saru figures out. He says. If we were brought here, yeah. perhaps this is the reason why. Maybe this is so. In other words, he's even putting together the pieces yeah. that they are deliberately being uh, manipulated, or mm-hmm. at least called to these places where they can help. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he says, "You know, we're not going to let a catastrophe happen. We're going to get to work. Here we go." Uh, so Saru's put those put those puzzle pieces together and knows that they are being by some outside larger force directed to help uh in other places of the galaxy and frankly i like that there was saru that they let have that moment too it wasn't it wasn't stamets it wasn't tilly it was it was saru who is getting a chance to step up and be his own person i love it absolutely all right so we're back now with our away team um and they want to i guess what is the reasoning here they want to turn off the distress beacon is it just because they don't want anybody else to disturb them is that the reason why is that that's what i that's what i read yeah Okay, so that's basically their their plan. And because he thinks they're fine and they're okay, they're not in any distress, yeah. nobody is hurt or whatever, they basically just say, okay, Prime Directive applies. This is going to be, we're just going to turn off the thing, then we'll leave, and everything is going to be, um, is going to be fine. Right. Um, and as they are down in the basement trying to find this thing to turn it off, um, Jacob, who is the same person that found them earlier, um, says, hey, you guys are not from around here. I think your ship uh, showed up. That was the, what the red burst was. He basically just accuses them, Jacob accuses them of being from the, you know, from being from the sky and coming down. He puts down. it all together real fast. Real quick, real quick. Um, and um, Jacob then says, no, I know you're not telling the truth. Throws a concussion grenade at them. They all, you know, cobble backwards jacob runs out locks the door behind and takes all their technology to go show the village elder or the all mother to prove that they are um from earth and uh have a starship uh, uh available to them uh, like but starship down, is a huge leap right like i guess i get like yeah. uh they're from the other side of the planet or oh maybe they i don't it just starship is a huge leap to have but that's fine yes <clears throat> i mean i guess I think by World War Three, what is this like twenty? What 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 year? World War Three is like nineteen ninety six or something like that. 
still in the timeline it is? Yeah. They haven't changed that at all? Well, I mean, unless so, First Contact changed something. This, this is why they, they got the date from going First backwards. Contact is what I thought I saw. Uh, Say that one. I'll look it up. Hold on. Well, you guys do your thing. I'll look it up. Keep going. So um, while while they've been concussed and they're in the, the basement, they still decide, no, we have to stop this Jacob dude. And um, what is the uh, the gal, the Luddite uh, crew member gal? What's her name again? Joanna Awashikun. Or Awashikun. She's a very smart person and decides, oh, I can get us out of here real quick with a magnet. Um, now, this seems to Ooh. be... an. Sorry, I, I got I got our answer. So the I was wrong. The eugenics wars were in the nineties. World War Three was twenty twenty six to twenty fifty three. And twenty fifty three is what they are establishing as the yeah. date for this. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's what I thought. I thought it was a few, whatever. Yeah, okay. Because twenty sixty three is when uh, uh, Cochrane is supposed to have made his his first warp ship. Got it. Um, okay, so. They decide that, okay, so um, they use a magnet to get out of. Now, that's not, this is like the second time kind of things being drawn. I feel like this is a major theme, right? Uh, unforeseen, unseen uh, forces. forces pull on yeah. and move uh, great and mighty things. Mm-hmm. So this, this moment happens, and then in a little bit, we've got another moment with the giant rock. And, of course... The Red Angel itself is these unforeseen forces that are moving uh, us towards directions, opening doors that have never been opened before. I love this theme that's happening um, that, uh, that they're doing really, really cool things with. Um, so anyway, they escape and run out of um, the hatch. Um, and um, at that point, we cut towards um, Tilly, who is in the sick bay still. And uh, May appears. Literally. Yeah, we learn her name and, is May. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. May May appears, and um, this is when they have this conversation about Tilly wishes she had Burnham there to bounce ideas off of. Right. Um, and so they have this entire conversation, and they basically come to a conclusion that they should use the rock in the shuttle bay to draw the radiation rocks away from the planet's surface which is so so star trek like that oh that's so star trek it's so you know well you know we our tractor beam won't work we can't do this we can't like it it, they they make it work i don't even care scientific accuracy it just was so it was so it felt so good in star trek and how many times in star trek have they had to move asteroids away from planets and stuff there's at least twice in the original series a bunch of times in the next generation I loved that. It's small and, and seemingly insignificant, but it just ties it so nicely to what we know. Yeah. Kate, what did, what did you think about this, this scene with her and May and the kind of conclusion they come to? So we get um, our continuing theme of Tilly having like some form of math or science, you know, geek out moment of awesomeness, which yeah. is quite fun. And it leads to probably the, one of the funniest lines in the whole episode, which is in the next scene. Um, so, uh, I will let you move forward so we can get to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we even have a little bit of a kind of visual gag too. And she runs out, she runs the wrong direction and yes. then so the good. camera stays on and then she runs back. That was, that was, that was fun and funny. Cause that is Tilly. That yes. is what it is. So Tilly and, and runs out just good. in her, in her, uh, 
hospital or gown. gown. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which hospital yeah, totally. gowns have improved a little bit in a, a few hundred years. They cover more That's than right. they do now. <laughs> I was goodness. half expecting like a butt shot or something like that. Just out of the hey, comedy of it. CBS yeah. still. <laughs> so um, we're going to, we gonna... way more than that last season. So. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to place pause for just a second because I do want to address this. Both of these episodes have been TVPG, ladies and gentlemen. That's true. Um, oh, I didn't case... realize yeah, TVPG. So I'm this wondering is, hmm. if we are done with this. I saw an, uh, uh, an article that um, something along the lines of Discovery no longer wants to be Game of Thrones. Mm. Um, Thank and I goodness. Think, yes, yeah. And so I think that's what we're getting here is um, a, anyway, a, a much more uh, palatable and recognizable Star Trek because we haven't had any strong cursing, no nudity, like you said, no cheeks <laughs> coming out, none of that stuff. It was it, it, it has been TVPG, uh, a few like mild, you know, quote unquote cuss words, but those are nothing that had not been in Star Trek before. Colorful metaphors. Nothing that can't be sh- yes. colorful metaphors. Just nothing that couldn't be on broadcast television right now. Right, which right. Is, it's more family. Star Trek has always been a family show, and this that was is my main complaint. That. Yeah. yeah, not not yeah. that not that we were scandalized by it ourselves, but just Star Trek is, is has always been family friendly yeah. to a point at I, least. And I don't know if that's going to continue yeah. um, throughout we got, the season. We have Klingons next episode. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm hoping it does, but we'll see. So anyway, unpause on that. I just thought I'd bring that up real quick because you had mentioned nudity. Uh, thank you, Tyler. Of course, uh, I'm the one that brings it's, up nudity, everybody. It's you, it's you man. You're I mean, I, so I didn't want I didn't want to point. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. So Tilly runs in on her fully clothed uh, and very <laughs> modest uh, hospital gown onto the bridge. Um, and she starts to, you know, babble really quickly. And you know, Suru's like, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. And she basically explains very quickly that her plan is rock, gravitational field, pull radiation rocks away from planet uh, and do so with a donut maneuver. Um, donut which in a is starship. An, <laughs> so donut in a starship, yes. which is a great moment. Look, I am I am more and more enjoying. Um, what is her name? Uh, the Detmer. the navigation. Kayla Sorry, Detmer. 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 I'm more and more enjoying her character. So great. Well, she's I'm so not glad. terrified all the time. Like honestly, every time she was on screen before, it was like, "What's Lorca gonna say to me now? You know, how yeah. is he gonna demoralize us now?" She's smiling, and, and even like last episode, they're joking that the bridge crew like are all working together to save them. I, I I just have loved, I've loved it. I agree. That's so good. Yeah, and of course, you know, we've only got two minutes left. Of course, they have to run until until this cataclysmic event occurs, um, and so they're like, "Okay, can we do this?" And um, Detmer's like, "Yes." But no, because I have to, there's no way I can do it from here and I can't navigate into that field. So there's no way. And then this is the moment that didn't yeah. make a whole lot of sense to me. We already talked about it. Stemmets just just appears on the bridge and he's like, I can do it. And then Saru's like, I, I, I can jump in there. And then Saru's like, well, what are you doing here? Run, go. And so then they go off. Um, Stemmets is very eager to seemingly get back into uh, jumping. So that is maybe an indication that he actually did see Culber. Uh, or maybe he wants to go back in yeah. to oh, search maybe. again. Um, I maybe that's that his together. motivation. Good thought. I don't know. No, maybe I, that's his motivation. I, he saw. He either saw or didn't see. I mean, this is stupid sounding. He either saw something or he didn't. And either way, he's super affected by that. Like whether it's that he wants to revisit Colbert or he's 
trying to find him. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's going to come out soon, I think. Yeah. I did have a thought about the first season and how dark it is that I this is probably a good moment to bring up. Um, we had um, in Enterprise, we had the Zindi Wars, the darkness that happened there in um, Deep Space Nine. Things got pretty dark with the Bajorans. And so it, I think there's precedent in the shows for there being a dark season or seasons. We just started off with this uh, show that way. And so it led to a lot of questions about the tone right. of the show as a result. And so if the rest of the show is a reaction to that and not that, uh, going forward, then I think that still fits within Star Trek canon, even if it was a weird place to start. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the was the question is is that we were gonna if we were gonna if we were starting there, where we're gonna continue? Right, there. right, right. Is and, it just gonna um, go more Game of Thrones? Right, exactly. So I think we have our answer now, which is which is refreshing, and um, I'm enjoying. Um, I, I enjoyed last season. I liked it before it was, but I really enjoy where we're at right now. This is definitely feeling like traditional Trek. All right, so we're back on the planet. Uh, Jacob is showing the all-mother all this technology, all this proof, and the, um, uh, the away team has escaped, so they charge up, and they say, you know, uh, thou shalt not steal. What, what happened to that thing? You shouldn't steal from us. Um, and the all mother admonishes, or yeah, that basically tells Jacob, Hey, that wasn't a good idea. Uh, you shouldn't do that. And then while they're having this conversation, uh, a little girl picks up a phaser and overloads it. And probably my favorite moment in this episode, the, the difference, the oh. morality, the, uh, the thing that without thinking, right. Pike grabs the phaser, jumps on top of it, puts it under his chest, and the thing explodes on his chest, just like a soldier would do with a grenade right. in war to protect. And which uh, those should have him. vaporized him completely, but for the purposes of the story and characterization, I completely agree with you. Well, and I'm thinking, well, wow, child know. prodigy, this kid figured out how to overload a phaser that quickly and easily. Hey, in, in the original series, it's a knob. Like, you just watch him go, boop, and then it says to overload, and you're like, uh. Oh wow! That seems like a design flaw. Yeah, I feel like that was that's not the safety. Yeah, (laughs) I think I think you guys are obviously doing the literal. I am doing the literary. I I love that. Agreed. The moment is brilliant. Yeah, what this moment is saying is so wonderful. We learn about Pike's character that he will give his life to save innocence. Yeah, without thought, he just does it. Yep. He just does it. He doesn't care. No, this is what I do now. Yep. I give my life. I give my life right now. Um, a yet another kind of maybe religious um, overtone there. But still, like, it is really a fantastic uh, moment for his character. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, they basically, the other two uh, members of the away team grab the captain and say, uh, we need to go pray for him. <laughs> Let's take him to, because they still have to pr- do general order one, so they can't beam away right there in front of everybody. So they you know, basically mask that by saying, can we go to the church? And so they go to the church, they close the door behind them, and they start to beam away, and then Jacob bursts in, mm-hmm. and they see the they three watch of them, the transport, yeah, yeah, beam away, um, and uh, you know, to safety or whatever. So, hey, um, that at that point, let me see here. Where is? Oh yeah, on Discover, we jump back, and this is the action sequence, right? This is um, the plan into action. The donut discovery. The donut. Yeah, exactly. Discovery jumps into the middle of the radiation asteroid field, 
They deploy the massive um, rock they have and uh, they pull it behind it and all of those asteroids follow the massive rock that they have and they pull it away and they've saved the, 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 the planet from, from all destruction. Uh, but it's a really neat moment. It is a it. cool action sequence. It looks fantastic. Um, it is. Uh, it's. It's. It's quite a cool. Quite a cool moment. What did you guys think of that? Did you think they did a, a good job there? I'm guessing you did, but I'm just just curious. Fun what you guys and think. cinematic. Yes. Yep. It's, yeah. it's a beautiful moment. Yeah, it's really well done. Yeah. 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 Um, so let's see here. Um, Saru thanks Tilly for you know, thinking up this amazing plan for saving the planet. And um, she turns around and says, I'm feeling really tired. And I think I'm just going to go sleep now. I'm going to go collapse. And she gets into the turbo lift. And as the doors are closing, May, who is this, we now know to be invisible, not real person, calls her Stilly. And it reminds her of a friend of hers. uh, And she says, wait, what did you call me? And then the doors close. And then we see her looking back at her, um, kind of yearbook. futuristic yearbook. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And finding that this woman or this girl that she knew who used to call her Stilly um, is actually dead. So she's seeing a dead person from her past. What do we think about this? I mean, we already kind of, I, I'm pretty sure this is the mycelial spore thing that we saw earlier sure. last season. Um, this is kind of i don't know some sort of a residue of some kind i don't know I, I don't know what to really think of this it's going to be interesting to see where they take this moving forward or is it and it might be a combination of the the accident that happened i don't think necessarily hitting the head but we do know that the spore network um reacts to this rock whatever it is we um yes. that's why she was so excited about it so maybe it's that combination plus maybe yeah. the head the head hit who knows but it's a good call it's I, a good call I, I'm I'm intrigued to see where they're going to go with it. You know, it's obviously a setup for for what to come. And why they chose her? Because for Stamets, like you you can kind of get why his husband's the person that he's right. seeing because you know the recent death, etc. But I if I did the math quickly r- correctly because they had the dates quickly on screen for when May died. She was 16 when she died, so it wasn't yep. that long mm, after. That's what I got too. So pretty young. So it's like why her? What about her? Um, clearly there's some purpose in her versus any other random person they could have pulled of a hat for for Tilly so I'm curious to see where, what the, the purpose is of her not just the function that she serves for Tilly yeah yeah absolutely it will be interesting to see where this goes moving forward obviously it's got to be important somehow um, so we'll see okay um, so then we see Pike uh, he is hurting after him being injured um, and um, basically we get a moment where Michael uh, Burnham finally confides in uh, Pike and basically tells him the truth that she saw this red angel um, and, um, you know, whatever. Um, so anyway. Well, yeah, that, that. That, that there, this is not a coincidence. You know, she, she could have written it off the first time as just this hallucination, but now that it's confirmed down on a planet and they haven't, I don't think they've at that point watched the video yet, but okay. Oh, no, he, he no, hasn't, no, gotten, he hasn't it gotten it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I think that's that's you. Then we get further further issues of of the science and faith, where she she is just not okay with calling it anything divine. That angel might even be a misnomer for it, but but that it is certainly 
it's, it is no longer just a coincidence. There's something that is that she's really seeing. Yeah, and there's right. her allegiance to science in this makes the most sense in this scene because Agreed. I think she's also giving a message to the audience of we don't know that this is a divine being or that it's a benevolent being. We just don't know, so keep that in mind. Right. Um, and, and it's Star Trek, so it's not. I mean, ultimately, it's not going to be something that's, that's divine. Um, but it will... But again, that's the that's the indistinguishable from magic kind of a thing is it will look at and it and it looks like an angel. I mean, so you get why and it saved them and all this other stuff. So you get the 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 crossover, I guess. Um, you know, it occurs yeah. to me <laughs> um, the season that we get Michael Burnham's sibling. So Spock, we had this mystical, perhaps divine connected being. And same with Cybok. That's, you know, in that Star Trek film, that's the, the, the God right. movie. Yep. And so we seem to have this thing about the siblings and weird God stories and I just made yeah. that connection that, that kind of No, agreed. Me and this is all the more reason, like, I, come on, if they don't just mention for one second, like, uh, Cyborg with his, with his stinking, you know, his God complex, basically, <laughs> you know, why, why are we not, why are we not uh, talking to him? But, and clearly the Red um, Angel does not need a starship. <laughs> no. Right. Exactly. No, 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 no. It appears to be able to get around the uh, universe okay. just fine. Yeah. I did like, uh, just in that same scene, we, we, we undercut or we underline the the point that Burnham Burnham could have uh, spoiled everything and, and and announced you know hey we are from the future we are all this stuff but mm-hmm. she held um, Pike's orders as um, as he was unconscious which was a growth I, right. choice for her yeah well didn't she even didn't she even say like well I've learned what mutiny does and I shouldn't do that right, anymore that's true yeah yeah yeah, yeah you're right you're yeah. right and then she basically tells him he should he should um, throw general order one away yeah. so that they can get the helmet cam. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that's what he decides to do. So he beams to the surface in uniform, com- in uniform, mm-hmm. confronts Jacob, tells him the truth, tells him they fly through the heavens or whatever it is through space to the stars. Yeah. Um, and basically says, you know, he can't do anything to, um, uh, to interrupt their, their growth on this planet. And Jacob understands and basically says, hey, that's all I've wanted to know is that, you know, I just wanted to know the truth. So he shuts down the beacon and um, in return, Pike gives him a energy cell mm-hmm. and uh, powers the uh, the village back up. Yeah, which yeah. It, we can't interfere, but here's this thing that will interfere with your with your entire course of existence. But that's fine. I have a few <sighs> yeah, things to say it's about a this scene. Um in this scene, and I might be reading far too much into it, but this show keeps hitting the faith stories, et cetera. So I'm like, yeah. all right, they called this guy Jacob, right? Uh, yes. And there's like, the, uh, like essentially Lost, his faith is rewarded uh, in this scene where Pike finally confirms for him what he wanted to know. But then yeah. on top of that, in the biblical story of uh, with Jacob, he wrestles with an angel to yep. get a blessing. And that's kind of what this Jacob is doing throughout this episode. So it's 100%. I, I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. That, what a great what a great call. Yes. Uh, for some reason, I that didn't that went way over my head, but it should not have. And what a, yeah, what's great. And then that's like great. extending to the future. Now that he knows his question's been answered, like his family he talked about his family has kept this beacon alive over the time that they've lived there. And so now that that question is answered, that changes his personal course of history. And so yeah. what does that mean for their people and their evolution and where they're going to go? Where will he lead the people by virtue of behaving in a different way because of what he 
knows yeah. now. So, well, and what technology can he build and develop? Because we know his family is a family of scientists and right. things like that. So now they have this power cell. What can they? What can they do? Right. So. Yeah. And I also wanted to point out that Pike choosing to trust him was yet another anti-Lorca moment. Lorca would have just beamed down and taken it. Yeah. Right. It, it would have been a raid. You know, he would. Okay. Hey, we're beaming down with the security team, and we're we're taking this thing. Is what would have happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally. So Pike gets back into his ready room. He takes the camera that was on the helmet. He's able to download the footage, takes a look at it. And of course, what do we see but a POV view of a red angel coming in through the front door of the church and then uh, static. Mm -hmm. So now he has seen the exact same thing that Burnham has told him in the previous scene that she saw. Uh, so it seems to be something not a kind of mirage or any kind of mental yeah. thing, but it it's does seem now. to be you can show yeah, up on ex- unrecorded technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. seems to be something that actually exists. This red angel is not, you know, in their minds. It is a real thing. Right, yeah. right. And Pike Which says, makes you wonder. Go ahead. Yeah, go for it. So Pike says this this uh, new situation creates context for us which was a really important statement because he has context for us and we had contexts for kings in last season. Yes. I thought the yes. same thing. Yeah. 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 So that was, I think, really good. important. And and Lorca is the king. You like It's just that whole, ah, oh, Pike is the best. Guys, <laughs> Pike is the best. We're, <laughs> Two we're, episodes we're, in, you've got your new favorite captain. Uh, oh, no, yeah. no. I mean, it's still Picard. It's still, okay. but like, but we're, we're, we're etching up there. Just, oh, Pike is the best. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, no, he, he he's definitely a, a breath of fresh air. Yeah, there's no doubt. All right, well that that is that ends the episode right there. That yeah. is the the hard cut to credits, um, and uh, we have no idea uh, what what's up next, but we know, shall see. I know that the title of the next episode is called Point of Light. Um, yeah. that's it. And we know because we got our little preview. We know that we've got Klingons, and it looks like I think uh, Captain or Empress Giorgio is is back. Um, so I'm, I'm really intrigued to see, you know, where this goes. We, we're going to get very direct connections to last season and, um, probably some yeah. darkness. So yeah, no, absolutely. All right. Um, anything else that we want to say about this uh, episode, uh, before we, uh, we have Tyler wrap up? No, I, I'm happy. I think we've really picked it apart. Well, <laughs> I think so too. As always, everybody, you can follow us on the next Trek on Twitter. And we uh, are sometimes on Facebook. If you, if you talk to us there, we'll, we'll get the message. Um, but, uh, as always, yeah, follow us, let us know, are we crazy? Are we, uh, were we right on the money? Did we miss something in our, in our analysis? So yeah, uh, have a conversation with us there. We'd love to talk to you and as always live long and prosper. 